What is up, you guys? And of course, you are listening to That's Life Podcast. I'm your host, MTR. And as always, Battlestar Galactica, Sean Solo. And we have a very special guest on the podcast. We have Cy Marshall Law, the man that we, you know what? Daniel and I have been trying to go down this trip and being like, yo, like, we just want to find new music and new yes. and new everything. Daniel really loves hip hop. He knows that I love it too. Mm-hmm. I've also been trading off with Daniel trying to get him to get into some punk rock and some hardcore. Sometimes it hits. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. He mm. argued with me about Slipknot recently. Knows and we'll stuff. talk about that uh, later a little on. Bit, a little but nonetheless, bit. we ca- we came across this awesome profile of Cy Martial Law. And of course, we have him on the line right now. How are you doing, good sir? <laughs> what up, what up? What's going on? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for, for for coming on, man. We uh we're gonna definitely we want to focus more on not only uh, having interviews, but uh, doing this more consistently because we promote and push music constantly throughout the podcast, and always some things we're interested in, some things we're not. But uh, for this particular episode, we want to break down from the beginning to where we're currently at uh, with Cy Martial Law. So, with that being said. Where's the beginning? When did you start getting into music? When did you start writing, rapping? What was what was your first influence that you were like, you know what? I I really want to st- I want to get into music. I want to do this. Well, my family's always been into music. My dad uh, used to own a, a sound system in England. I was born in England. I don't know if you guys knew that. No. So <clears throat> I was born in England, and my my parents are Jamaican, so my family, you know, my, pretty much my whole family is Jamaican. But I was born in England. Me, and my brother and sister were born in England. And my dad used to own a sound system in England. Um, that's like a, a reggae sound system. <clears throat> reggae sound system. I don't know. Are you, are you guys familiar? Do any of you guys even like reggae or anything like that? Uh, yeah. Yes, I do, good sir. Yeah. Yes, I do. I'm Haitian, so you know, I'm, I'm definitely into reggae. So, so my dad had a sound system in England. So anyhow, my family was always into uh, music. I have an older brother who's seven years my prior. So um, he was into dancing, and then we moved to America a bit after that and my brother got into MCing, and then uh basically uh he got a deal with a indie label called subverse i don't know if you ever heard of um subverse they used to have like mf doom and uh yeah, yeah. like uh a lot, a lot of people like that so anyway my brother was in a group called ever living sound and um you know i always kind of was into music plus my brother was already into the hip-hop scene around new york and new jersey so i kind of just fell into it like that, and uh, my first uh, real hip hop record that I, I that I can remember loving was probably uh, like Keith Keith Murray's "Most Beautifulest Thing in the World." I don't nice. know if y'all are familiar. Yo, okay, uh, I'm, right. I'm not, but I literally had two co-hosts that just got super excited about it. Oh, <laughs> come on, uh, man. I've never heard of it. Oh sorry. my god, what the most it? beautifulest thing in this world is just like that. I get in you, like you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mystical, magical, you know how I do it. Like, I'm fuck scared. Li- God damn, the like, fucking lyrics. I feel like size about to be like, man, how old are you? And I'm going to be like, I'm back into my corner. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, man. No, so, um, you know, yeah. Especially I'm being a Redman fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked, you know. Go ahead, I'm sorry. That's all good. I was just going to say, I rhymed all throughout high school, then I ended up putting out um my first album, Hip Hop in the Flesh and uh, that did really well then my second album Hip Hop in the Soul featured KRS-One and that did really well as well and then since then I've just been putting out a lot of projects I've done projects with um, a Hungarian producer I've done projects with a Swedish producer uh, 
the album's called uh, Beatnik's Freedom Express Line. So I've put out a lot of projects over the years, and I've toured uh, probably about 25 countries in Europe. But, I, you know, I've been doing this all the time. This has just kind of been in my family. So I've put out probably my, I think this is going to be my 10th or 11th album that I'm, I'm about to drop soon. Uh, currently, I have an album out with uh, one of my friends that I went to, to high school with um, called Ace Wonder. The album is called Crossroads. It recently came out, that the current album. And, uh, yeah, I have a new album coming out with a Russian producer. So I think because I was born in England and came to America, I always had the feeling like hip-hop was kind of universal. So when I started making albums, I kind of wanted to reach out to uh, people from different countries. So if you listen to my music, a lot of the, um, the, the albums are made by people from different countries because of that reason, just to bridge the gap of hip-hop. And I, I think... That's something that I don't think a lot of people do necessarily or seek out to do. I like I seek out to do that because I think it's a, it's important because um a lot of times I think like music is the only not the only way way but one of the main ways to uh, uh, communicate with people without uh, getting into too, too much bullshit because it's fucking music. I don't even. Uh, sorry, for, um, am I supposed to be cursed on the hip <laughs> you, Yeah, no, you're, you're good to go. You're, you're good fine. to go. But no, I agree with you 100 percent that you know music is most definitely the universal language and travels across the world. Got a quick question now, coming from UK to uh, well, uh, from England to Jersey. Uh, when did that transition happen? How old were you? I moved from England to Jersey in 1990. Ah, okay. All right. So pretty much you were how old by then? What what was your age? I was not I was nine. Ah, okay. All right. So formative years over there and then coming here. Um, how was that as far as uh the juxtaposition or kind of how did that move inform you musically? I know I, I know your dad had sound systems and you know, handling that, but coming here yeah was this uh, kind of like a culture shock for you yeah. coming in you're like wow this isn't this isn't the same music or same anything that we had over in england or was it the same or was it the same yeah no nah, I, I understand your question um so way back then it was like uh like like ll cool j and run dmc oh, and yeah. kind of you know that was what was going on in america um but i was like really little then so um i kind of I was mad little then. I was like nine. So um, it was there, but I wasn't like all the way into the music. I was in it, but you know what I'm saying? I, I was yeah. fucking nine. The music was, so, <laughs> music was right. Yeah, no, nobody had nine. Like, what did you listen to at nine? You're like, uh, mm -hmm. something I'm sure. Right. <laughs> I wasn't collecting though, not yet. Right, but um, at going to um, America, I know that it wouldn't have been like, like they're not, America, especially like New Jersey or, or New York or East Coast, they kind of, you know, there's a whole American attitude. Like, you know, Americans are the most followed people. I don't know if you guys know, they're the most followed people on earth. Yeah. And the reason for that is because, you know, Americans have a, a natural bounce and energy that um, a lot of places don't have. And um, a lot of places don't understand it. And, we, you know, so um, that, that bounce that I'm talking about, that you guys know them, I, I hope you know what I'm talking about, that you, I would have never understood it if I stayed in England. And and English people have a bounce too, but it's you know, everyone has their different bounce. But yeah. unless you like go from one place to another, it is it is a culture shock. So like I would I would be a totally different MC. Like I would be on my English shit. But now <laughs> I, um, you know I'm English slash Jamaican slash American. You know, so so that's how I actually stick out. That's probably what um 
you know, maybe one of the things that made you guys find me. I don't, I don't think I fucking sound like anybody else. But, um, you know. <laughs> no, I agree. And Daniel and I actually, when we were wa- when we were, when we were going down on the music, he was like, "I like the way that he puts his verse together. Like it does. It's it's a unique style. It's not mm-hmm. it's not direct. And even the more so when he was like, and even when we get to the hook and the chorus, it almost sounds like rather than being a direct like we're gonna like trying to be this very poppy and direct thing. He's like it. It just sounds like he's just straight going for a chorus, and it's it's all within like the same range. Rather than like clearly, well, this is the d- dynamic that we're putting in. Well, really, what it sounds like to me, uh, best way to say it is almost like the chorus isn't really a chorus. It's almost it's like a reprise. Yeah, it's, it's like, like free flowing. Yeah, within it feels the, within like the whole there, song. It feels like in some songs there is no chorus. You're just flowing, and it's like I love that. I love that kind of feel, and that's very reminiscent of uh, particular hip-hop MCs, and that's why I was just like, man, I need to know where his influences come from. What are they? Like, when did he discover them? So, like, what was your... You, I know you had KRS-One on, on track recently, well, not recently, but, you know, you've had him on, uh, but... Uh- where? No, I see. I see. I see where you're going. You yeah. Influences, right? Yeah. So, um, it it is a, a big Jamaican thing because um, when um, not even when yeah, I, I, that that's what I didn't say about England and what America didn't have. Uh. England, mad fucking Jamaicans went to England, and that's how my parents got to England. That's this is the whole key. This is what you guys want to know. So, um. In my house in England, there was mad reggae music being played. Like in England, that's what I was influenced by. Like I saw a bit of hip hop, but my my other friends in England who weren't even Jamaican. I mean, England is England. I don't know if you guys been to England before. Have you guys ever been to England? Not um, I. Uh, Sean has not, but Daniel. I have. I've been to Daniel England. Daniel has. On a production. I lived in Slough for like three months. So, um, in- England is a bit more hip to Jamaicans than American. They just kind of like a lot of, a lot of Jamaicans migrated to England. Anyhow. Well, yeah, you had like the specials and you had like, like ska and like reggae really pick up, especially with, with with England. Right. So to get back to the music, um, uh, I was listening, not even then, I still listen to a lot of reggae artists and the way they are, they have a lot of um, energy and they have, um, uh, um, you know, there's dance hall, but a lot of them have like music with a message, like people like Capleton or like Sizzler, they, like they're saying something. And um, that's one thing I picked up. Like when you got to get on the mic, you want to say something. And um, beyond them and how their en- energy and how they come across, my brother, like I said, was an MC before me. And he's still an MC. We have a group together called Ever Living Sound E V E R L I V E N Sound. Um, we have about we have about five or six albums together, um, but he's my old brother, and he taught me how to rap. So um, we ha- we almost share like a the same kind of voice. It's just it just differentiates a little bit. But um, you know, my bro- older brother was a big big influence. But um, um, beyond like musicians, a lot of like people that don't music do music are like my influence is and the way they are my influence is is, is and uh, this is. It's good. You're making me talk. This is how we get to it. So, <laughs> as I, as I was saying this, I was thinking about my influences who weren't music, and then it, boom, it came to the main one, which is Bruce Lee, and um, mm. Bruce Lee is like, oh, yo, when I get off this with you guys, I don't know. I I hope I wasn't tripping, but I think I saw a thirty for thirty Bruce Lee special. I don't know if you guys watched those ESPN thirty no. for thirty Bruce Lee special. Bruce Lee special though. I yo, I heard there was. I don't know if I was like up last night tripping like because i was like 
I should have went, you know, I've been up for mad hours. So, um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I fucking saw Bruce Lee 30 for 30. I don't know if I was tripping. Maybe one of y'all can be over there Googling. Yeah, it. so anyway, uh, exclusive well, first well, I, look at Bruce Lee's 30 for 30, which is called no! Be Water. Oh, which makes Yo, so much sense. Out? Um, is it out? Let's see. Uh, Be Water re- uh, review. Yeah, it is out. Bruce Lee documentary is way better than The Last Dance. Yeah, so there, there yeah, it well, is I out. I get off this with y'all. I'm going in there to watch. Listen, let's not get off track. So Bruce Lee is one of my, uh, the way he is, he's like, um, his his fighting style is called Jeet Kune Do. And Jeet Kune Do is as you are. It's not one type of style. It's, you, you know, it's as you are. Whatever you need, that's what it is. That's what Jeet Kune Do is. So my hip-hop style, I always thought about that. And I didn't want my style to be one way. I wanted it to be be. Well, you know what I needed it to be. So in the beginning, I never really had like one style. I was always going, oh, oh like I was trying to be like fucking Bruce Lee, but I'm, I'm musical Bruce Lee. So that's and Bruce Lee was a perfectionist and things like that. And then um, besides Bruce Lee, you might have someone like like Pele or like Muhammad Ali or like um, you know anyone who's fucking great is kind of influenced in their own way to see the way they do that. And then you 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 draw from different things and put it into your music. So I think that's like what people who try to do like great things and aspire to do the great things like a fucking Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, they inspire me. So um, when I hear hear the music, to be quite honest, um, uh, thank God there's something internally in me that just moves me. Like, but when I hear a beat, I see colors. I don't know if that happens to everybody. No mm-hmm. fucking lie. And it's you know that's like it's. It's on some like Miles Davis shit. Like I was born, like this has been in my family. Like we're born to do this shit. Like when you really go through my catalog, you'll find like I have a lot of fucking shit. Like I've been around for a while. Like, yeah. And, and it's, and um, yeah, that's, you know, you, when something is real, you don't stop doing it. Like I got my best album that I'm about to come out with to me that's coming out, you know, in a few months with that Russian producer. That shit is, I can't wait to people hear it. Hell yeah, yeah. man. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead. Let's jump into at least the first album that I can find, which is a uh, psyology, which came out in 2006. Can you tell us a little bit about that album? Sure. Psyology is not an album. It is a mix CD. Mix CD. So it's a um, mixtape. Uh, like, is that, uh, is that like, what, what's a, what's specifically a mix CD? Well, it's not a, Oh, I see what you're saying by tape, but it's not a tape because I never did tapes. <laughs> okay, so I get what you mean. I guess you're like, literally, they're like, I didn't drive around selling tapes out of my trunk. <laughs> Maybe the CDs, but not tapes. <laughs> okay, 2006. I know some of the kids from 2006 are like, what's a tape? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's kind of like yes. an 8-track. What's an 8-track? Oh, shit. But, but yeah, can you tell us a little Ooh. bit about uh, Psyology? Um, from... What I remember is all the songs that didn't make my album that was coming up in 2007, Hip Hop in the Flesh, that's my first album. But it's um, a lot of the songs that didn't make that, and a lot of I did a lot of joints on other people's beats. Uh, it was a really fun album to, to make. As far as I remember the cover, that cover says a lot about me. I don't know if you guys can pull the cover up, but right I remember I, I I made that cover. Like it's the one with mad pictures on it, right? Yeah, you got you got Coming to America on it. You have the British flag. Uh, you have I want to say the Jamaican flag. You also have Yin and Yang on there. 
Um, I could so, be wrong, but I think one of these is I don't want to say Black Panther, but that also looks like something from GI Joe. It looks like a lion, like oh, that's Thundercats. Is it Thundercats? Okay, yeah. most likely. <laughs> You're so like, yes, you got Pulp Fiction, Muhammad Ali, you got plenty of stuff on there. So biology, biology, and uh, you know the makeup of me, sort of thing. So uh, whatever is on that cover, I felt like kind of was expressing me at the time, or maybe not just things that I fucking like. Yeah. So the point was biology. So the 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 mix CD there is just me going in on some some of the joints that didn't end up making the album, and uh, me on other people's beats. Well, but hip hop in the flesh is my um first album. Was that was it Sorry. super intimidating when when it's your debut album and like you want it you want people to hear it you want to make sure that it gets across and. Were you able to accomplish exactly what you wanted with that album, with you know being your freshman year and trying to pump it out and push it out? Uh, I, I mean, it's a hard question to answer because <laughs> it's like no regrets, right? Yes, most definitely. Especially when it comes to music, it's like, dude, you know what? Like, this is my heart and soul. And every time you put out an album, no matter who it is. You know, even if they say like, oh, this guy tried to do it for the cash grab or the money, like it's super hard because you're you're putting yourself out there, literally like just standing in front of the world and saying, this is who I am and this is what I could give to you. So it gets super scary and intimidating to the point where like, I mean, hell, I've even... I've even talked to Daniel, like, maybe we should do, like, hip-hop, dude. Like, I think I could write lyrics. I think I could do this and that. And, like, every time I try to record, I'm like, no, I can't. Like, it just, I know. I back away. And this is coming from someone that, like, I'm not, I've been on stage. uh, As the podcast knows, I'm not afraid to doing live podcasts. I'm not afraid to be behind a mic, but there's just something to me that it's incredibly intimidating trying to trying to do hip hop because it's literally you alone on that stage. Even if you have a hype man, even if you have a DJ, like realistically, they're all looking at you. So it, it get, <laughs> I get scared of that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like I just like yeah, but that, there's a thin line between being scared and being brave. Very um, true. What I mean by that is that when you finally do it, it's very empowering. You feel like you can take over the world when you finally do it, but there's a thin line between to get from there and there. But you know, once you cross it, you cross it. But going back to Matt's question, kind of piggybacking off of it, um, putting out that first album, uh, I'll say it this way: uh, like Wale phrased it as uh, "artist regret," where it's like, "All right, I put out this album, but after I've put it together, we've done our track selection, and you know, I've submitted it. This is what we're gonna have. This is what we're gonna play. This is gonna be the album." There comes some level of regret where it's like, dang, I should have I should have pushed for this track instead of this track or that track instead of this track. Um, you really didn't get to suffer that because you got to put the mix CD out. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> I get what you mean. So it's almost like uh, like instead of being like, well, here's my A stuff, but here's my B side. Like he got to release everything as a collective. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, uh, yeah, I, I see, I see what you're trying to say, but no, it's not like that. I, no. I, I've actually recorded so much fucking music that, um, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to see it like that. When I look back on my albums, uh, a few of them, the, you know, the real ones, right? the real albums, not the mix CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would want to change them. And, and, you know, I did keep leave tracks off 
and, and maybe I wouldn't want to change them, but now, because like I said, no regrets, but I see the error in my ways. And, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's a learning process. I don't think that matters. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so you actually are with the record label, uh, Freedom Entertainment. Can you tell us a little bit about Freedom Entertainment? I sure can. My, um, dad's sound system in England was called Freedom Sound. And then when my brother came to America with, you know, when we all came to America and he started rapping and got into his group, his, he named his group Ever Living Sound, like Freedom Sound, like Ever Living Sound. Um, and then when we decided to put out our own vinyl, our first one, we put out, you know, we saved up the money and put it out ourselves. Um, we invented the label, Freedom Entertainment, my brother and I. So that's Freedom Entertainment is our label. So have you, have you been content with just sticking to this label? Because clearly you, you've been, I mean, other than I want to say your 2017 release, which was on uh, Not On Label, or actually it says Not On Label, so I'm assuming you put that out yourself. Uh, and then on top of it, it seems like you, you bounce back a little bit between uh, Freedom Entertainment and Red Army Inc. Uh, Red Army Inc. was, I never officially came out with an album with them, Red Army Inc., have you guys ever heard of an artist called Pumpkinhead? I have not, but I've heard of the movie and I love it. <laughs> but I have not heard of the artist Pumpkinhead. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a um, a great MC from New York. Um, he 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 passed away a few years ago, but um, he started Red Army, and it was a group that I was in with him and a few others, and we put out a few mix CDs under under that alias. But however, the um, labels that I've been associated with. Um, Hip Hop in the Flesh came out on on Raucous, Raucous songs. Is it still in them? Um, I had an album on Hypnot. I had an album on Soul Spasm. Um, uh, I had an album on another label. I can't fucking remember the name. There, it's so mad. <laughs> Is it XOXO Records? I I wasn't thinking about them, but them too. <laughs> <laughs> So with that being said, though, uh, like this particular album in 2010, uh, and I noticed that at least Daniel and I noticed when we were listening to a lot of your songs, uh, it does say Cy Martial Law and the Beatniks. Now, is that and it seems like there was a lot of stuff that was produced by them is. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Beatniks? And I might add it is uh, spelled with a Z at the end. All right, you guys. So N-I-K-Z. So we did notice that there was like, we're like, man, like even Daniel was like, can you look them up? Like, can we see what's going on with them? We're like, yeah. And we looked up, we found, I think one or, well, we didn't go into a huge rabbit hole with them, but we did find one or two other songs that that were like, and we sat there and we listened and we're like, yo, this is really good. And we're like, all right. And then of course we wanted to jump back into your, your catalog. But yeah, uh, once again, sorry for the third time asking, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the beatniks? I kind of did allude to them earlier when I said, um, the Swedish, guys i had been making oh, okay so that, these are the guys them. these are the guys yep yep two guys frank and jay so how did you come across there. meeting them i mean yeah. uh coming from someone from new or well, you know uh at least at that time when you started recording from new jersey and meeting some guys in sweden i mean did you meet in like a group chat or like or uh, like a website like how exactly did you come across them they sent me uh instant message on myspace really they were just like yo do you want some beats and you were like yes yes i do (laughs) uh yeah i was was ready at that time sometimes uh when you're ready for something it pops right in front of your face if you're ready to see it so so 
how is it working with them? Is it more of a, is it a group collaboration or do they kind of present a beat and they're like, Hey, what do you think? Do you want to go ahead and, and snag this up? How, how is the, how is the working relationship with them? They would just send us beats and we'd rap on them. I mean, we would rap on all of them. We'd rap on the ones we want to rap on. If we didn't like it, we wouldn't rap on it. They would send more beats just like that. But I've also noticed that like, it doesn't really seem like a lot of people give credit to producers and who they've worked with. So it seems like you're very straightforward with that. Is there a particular reason why you're so straightforward with that? Uh, I, I would, I would like to want, you know, fucking recognition if I was going yeah. <laughs> to give credit when credit's due. Album. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. That's pretty much it. If I did have to work, like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> So did did you at ever at any point did you ever have to create your own beats or try to create your own beats or currently making your own beats? Uh yeah, I I just the album that's out now Crossroads, I produced all the beats and my album right before that, Imperfectly Imperfectly Perfect, it's a solo album, I produced all the beats on that as well. So what particular uh software are you using when you're recording beats? Are you using Fruity Loops? Are you using Logic? Are you using uh What's the other one? There? Ableton Live. Ableton ah, Live. Ah, see? Okay. All right. Ooh-wee. <laughs> right? Man, oh, so, wow. Ooh-wee. Uh, man, I can, oof. I mean, like, we've already, yeah, Daniel oh. and I, unfortunately, uh, clearly, since we are recording and we do do podcasting, we were trying to kind of look into, like, well, what should we go down? I mean, man, we were even to the point where we were like, let's just buy Reaper. It's 60 bucks it's, and yeah, it right. seems reasonable. So it gets super expensive. Do, are you also buying a whole bunch of plugins or was luckily Ableton able to... Uh, satisfy you with all the samples and and, uh, and loops that they had. Uh, I bought a suite, so I have a lot of shit, and I had some other shit anyway. I'm like, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. You're like, so, I have nothing to worry about. <laughs> like, we're talking about your first album, but going back even uh, earlier than that, when it comes to uh, your style, your flow, and um, just how you choose to deliver uh, stuff, I'm looking over some things and I'm. Noticing that there was a uh, kind of you won an MC battle uh, at a Tower Records in Philly. Right now, who was uh, the competitor that you won or you beat at the end? I don't know the guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> You're like it was a very monumental Dang. moment, but unfortunately, yeah, no, is, I came on top. <laughs> This is the thing I really wanted to point out. I've asked other people the same thing where it's like, oh, there's something that everyone points out. It's a milestone. You're like, who did you beat to get here? And everyone says, I don't fucking know. (laughs) It wasn't my responsibility to know them. It was my responsibility. It's Daniel. (laughs) That would be hilarious. Well, here he is. It's my responsibility to win. (laughs) I actually forgot that. I almost forgot that shit happened. Oh, damn. You must have read it. It was judged by the Black Eyed Peas, right? Yeah, yeah. I read it. I read it. And I was like, wow, okay, all right, this is interesting. So I just wanted to I know thought, like, about that whole I thing. that was pretty cool. <laughs> that uh, has to be. I mean, that's huge. And back then, that's, man, the Black Eyed Peas were, they didn't have uh, an actual female uh, uh, vocalist during that time. Oh, Fergie they? wasn't there. Oh, no, so it was good Black Eyed Peas. No, wait, or was she? No, 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 Fergie, Fergie just got there. She just got, there. oh, see, that's 2001. I remember seeing them in Long Beach around that time, and they were like, yeah, yeah, fingerprints? Uh, yeah. It had to have been fingerprints. <laughs> no, was it at no. a record shop? No, it's like, like Fergie, a little lounge. Oh, okay, and they didn't Fergie have. Was at, Fergie was at the MC battle when I won, smiling at me, winking at me. Oh, word. <laughs> nice, <laughs> really? 
Oh, no, man. I'm probably exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, he's from she across. She came up to me. She's like, the next big thing. <laughs> he's from across the pond, <laughs> and he's here in Philly. This is my chance. <laughs> so so real quick, uh, we mentioned it far, far earlier in, in the interview. Uh, the song is Shine. That is the song that had uh, that had the Killmonger uh, Black uh, Black Panther reference, so the song was Shine. But uh, but yeah, uh, we're continuing on. You know, you've you've had so many albums, and you've been. How do you find the time to put out music? But uh, if I'm not mistaken, at least in one of the music videos, you have three kids, man. I have four. Four. Who? How do you find the time to record and do all that while still making time for your family? Um, because I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, you find time for what you love, I suppose. Hence yeah, why yeah, you're yeah. tired, right? You're like, I'm tired. Like, I had a long night, had to record, but I had to make sure the kids go to bed. No, I'm tired because I was bullshitting last night. I wasn't oh. doing anything. anything. Oh. I, was just, I wasn't bullshitting. I was just hanging out up late with my, me and my kids. They should have been in bed, but I was, we were just talking all night. And then, uh, it's yeah. a weekend, man. It's a weekend. So, yeah, pretty much. So with that being said, since everything is happening right now, it seems like we're literally in the middle of living in history. Have you had to sit down with your kids and kind of have a talk with them? Daniel always refers that he kind of has to sit down since with his kids and or his child, I should say, and has to kind of sit, have a talk where it's like, look, man, you know, like these are the things that might happen to you throughout your life. Yeah. Have you have you had to sit down and have that talk or, or have you had a talk with your kids about everything that's happening right now? Definitely. For and, sure, I have. And with that, how does that, honestly, from a perspective of uh, a parent, but you also as an artist, how does that kind of, does that influence you in what you do now? Figuring out that it's like, yeah, I have to talk about things that really I shouldn't have to really get into with my kids at the age that they are. Like, does that reflect through your music? Because I kind of see your message and uh, I just wonder, is it because of, you know, hey, I have kids, I have a responsibility, or is it just always been that way? You just have a message. It's always been that way. Ah, okay. My, my, um, my parents were Rastafarians back in the day, so they've always preached love and peace. So the reggae music that they were playing back then was preaching, you know, music with a message, and the message was love and peace. And there's always been... My household has always been about love, so you know that that's been the message long before I had children. But wow. children did enhance it; it does influence it now, for right. sure. You definitely are like one of the most zenest people I've spoken to in a while. Like, <laughs> I see very why cool, calm, and yeah, collective. very. Yes. I see why Bruce Lee is like important because it's really like it's. I'm hearing from you the answers that Bruce has given. Like it just feels that way. Like. I'm expecting that moment to hit me where you say something just like, you know, be water. Like, I want you to say something. I want that moment to be said to me where I'm like, I must sit under his tutelage. Like, well, you it, ruined it. He was going to say it at the end, Dan. Well, he's getting there. Dude, it's bits and pieces the whole way through. I'm just like, I'm learning so much. <laughs> So, Sai, within the last yeah, couple of months, cool. you've been uh, you've been working with uh, Ace Wanda. Can you tell us a little bit about Ace Wanda? Uh, Ace Wanda, he... Uh my best friend, one of my best friends, I have uh, five best friends, Earl, George, Josh, Jared. I have four best friends. Um, Ace is one of them. Uh, I met him in seventh grade in middle school. We've been friends ever since. 
And but this is our first album together, and uh, he he's always been MCing. He's he's dope. He's really good. So you know, decided to do an album with him. Made I made all the beats, and we put it out. I think it's dope as fuck. I hope you guys check it out. It's called um, Crossroads. Yeah, and with that with that being said, oh, the first song that Daniel and I sat with each other to listen to was They Lied, and it feels like that song is extremely pre- uh, prevalent to the current times and everything that's happening. Can you tell me about the writing process between you and Ace on that li- uh, They Lied? Well, they, they Lied, we have two solo songs on the album. Um, there's 14 songs on the album, and we have two solo songs. They Lied is a solo song by me, so um, that writing process Ace wasn't even there. It was just my, you know, my song. So you, you, so, um, he wasn't in the studio, and you were kind of bouncing off like, "Hey, man, I want to write about this." It was just strictly you alone at the studio. Correct. So how was the, how was the writing process behind that? Did you feel super emotional behind writing that, or where was the thoughts coming from? Well, um, that topic of They Lied, it wasn't new. Uh, it's, been what I've been seeing for a long time and then uh, I think I had just watched that documentary on um, not documentary the the, the miniseries movie. Uh, yeah miniseries on Netflix uh, when they see us so I mm. think I was I was pissed off <laughs> you're, like, you're like you know what I got something to say and it, it just came out that yeah you know what I couldn't even I couldn't even finish the the series, dude. I just oh, yes. it was way too much for me. I was like, I can't, dude. Like it hurts, it hurts to see, yeah. especially like, I mean, like fuck, dude. Like these poor kids, and one of them getting tried as a damn adult, dude. Right? It's like, fuck. you know, just being out there, I have to say this currently. Trump still won't apologize for taking out that spread and saying like we should bring, uh, you know, we should bring corporal punishment back or blah blah or the death penalty back and they deserve to be tried as adults and all this whole thing. They've asked him uh-huh. to take it if he will take it back, and he still has like you know tries to evade it, but no, he's never going to take it back. I mean, uh-huh. that has to say something concerning a man right now that's supposed to be leading our country. Uh, what also says a lot about a man that's supposed to be leading our country and the fucking lights are off in front of his house look dude like I've been in good neighborhoods and I've been in bad neighborhoods and if you're the dude trying to hide with your lights off uh, it shows exactly what your fucking character is and and that's all I gotta say about that (laughs) but uh, also being yourself and who you are I've gotta say I can see why you're like part of like the raucous 50 because when it comes to the idea of being an important MC, your message definitely is one that makes people aware, uh, makes people actually pay attention. And it's a, uh, it's like a mix of creativity, emotion, and honesty all thank in you. your music. And I just got to say, you know, thank you for being who you are in that way. And it's, it's ridiculously sick. Oh, just, no problem. You're welcome. Yeah, you could have straight, straight ran to like trap music and be like, you know what? I just want to be <laughs> part of the trends. And you're like, you know what? I just, I want to be real and I want to be unique and I want to put exactly what I think is great music. And, and you have been extremely successful with that. Oh, so, yeah. that being said, definitely want to thank you. So, uh, real quick, you know, you said that you, you, you've traveled and you've done touring. Where are some of your favorite places to play or where are some uh, awesome experiences that you've had performing live? Warp Tour? Uh, I would say Breda <laughs> in Netherlands, uh, Berlin, Germany. Really, uh, Germany of all places. Germany, yeah, Ber- big hit, 
Bur- yeah, Berlin, Germany, fucking black. Um, How was that, man? I mean, that had to have been like a culture shock being in like a place where it's just like, holy crap. Like, I wouldn't expect Germans to listen to, to hip hop, but I mean, also, I see, I'm pretty sure if I saw like an Australian listening, you'd be like, they speak English. And like, I know, but it's random. Like, so I, I yeah, might be you know easily what? amused. <laughs> you know what's fucked up yeah, on some ignorant shit? Um, when I went there, probably just kind of what you were fucking alluding to. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, Germany, Nazi, Germany, Nazi, Germany. So I was like, fuck. But when I got there, it was like the people were doing their everything to erase that shit. Like, they, like it was fucking wonderful. I, I loved Germany. Like, I didn't realize, like, Berlin, Germany is the fucking shit. It's true. Like, Germ- it really is. Germany is literally, like, uh, the embodiment of anything level concerning white guilt. Like that is Germany. Their whole purpose. They're like we own it, and we're trying to erase. Yeah, it. their whole purpose is hi, welcome to Germany. We're sorry. Like that's what it feels like. They work so hard to be nice to everyone. Isn't isn't your isn't your my mom's yeah my mom's boyfriend. Uh, you know which which is funny. He's German. I, I love I, that guy. I, I did uh, <laughs> I did date a girl that was half black, uh, half German, and I was like. And like, it seemed like it was like, they were like, oh yeah, it felt like it was awkwardly like common as if it was supposed to be some sort of stereotype. I was like, what is going on here? And like, it was awesome. You hear the, the, the mom was doing her thing and the dad was just on the side. Like, so you want to eat some food? I'm like, what is, what are you, what is going on here? They're like, like two peas in a pot, man. Like two peas in a pot. <laughs> but yeah, so every, every, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, forget to mention every place has fucking racist places because they're damn sure are places in Germany. The racist, but when I the places I went to, like in Berlin, Germany, and a couple other places, it was cool as shit. But they, <laughs> they, the Germans did tell me like we probably shouldn't go to this. Like yeah. I went, to don't go to that side of town. It's like Oktoberfest. Don't go there. I'm not happy. <laughs> I went to Austria as well, and it had some dope shows in uh, Innsbruck, Austria. But um, I definitely went through some racial shit in Innsbruck, Austria, and then we drove from Austria to Germany, and the Austria and Germany on the borderline. Because, uh, you know, Hitler was from Austria, not Germany. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, um, you know, we could drive from Austria to Germany. But while we had to drive through to get to Berlin, Germany, from Austria, we did definitely drive to a place where they're like, yeah, we probably shouldn't pull over here. Oh, jeez. Like, don't stop. Keep driving. Man. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, we were talking about touring. And uh, I noticed that you were a participant or you were chosen to be uh, on the Warp Tour. Yeah, that shit was awesome. That was one of my, my fa- favorite things to do. Really? I, I hear that all the time. So I was it's because like, warp tour, tour in a nutshell, it, it's it's like summer camp. Right. Like and you and you get to meet these people and like and you're really face to face. Oh man, you guys are bringing back memories. <laughs> you're really face to face with like these people. So not only are you an artist, but like you you get to experience being a human being. You go to like you have your own booth there and you know, hey man, I'm doing a signing, this, this and that. Uh-huh. And it's it's this weird, like awesome community of just like wholeheartedness you guys know, and love. Um, you guys know uh skull candy? Of course, yeah, the headphones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Yo, and, and Monster, yo, when I fucking did um, Warp Tour back then, it, I think it was like 2007, it was the same time Hip Hop in the Flesh came out, so I was doing fucking good. I was just on the fucking Warp Tour. Yeah. But anyway, um, yo, I shared a tent with Skull Candy and Monster, and this is before they, they fucking blew up. Like, they was giving us all types of free shit. They was giving everybody a Warp but, but it was way, but then like the summer after that, they both fucking blew up. But way before everyone had a skull candy and monster, 
Slime Marshall Law, Monster, and Skull Tandy all share the tent together. That shit is fucking crazy. Yo. Yeah, I mean, later on, Monster became the official sponsor for War Tour, War Tour and yeah. they even went as far as having a Monster Lounge. So you could go in, and they're like, we don't have water for you, but we have a shit ton of Monster. <laughs> and it, it was great, yeah. but it wasn't, because you'd go in, and you'd get super hyped and jittery, and you leave, and be like, what's the next thing we're doing, guys? We gotta see a band. We gotta do something, dude. I remember several times I'd end up in the in the Monster Lounge, and then um, sure as hell, you know, we'd, we'd uh, I'd get out and I'd just be super jittery. Yeah. But so tell us, as as an artist, how was Warp Tour for you? Like uh, Matt was giving us a breakdown, but but tell us how was it for you? How was your experience at Warp Tour? Uh, Warp Tour, it it sharpened my skills because uh, we had so many shows. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, we were, we were performing multiple, multiple times a day. Um, and yeah, I was, uh, besides performing multiple times a day and sharpening my skill, because if you do anything multiple times a day, if you're not a fucking idiot, you're going to sharpen your skills. So, <laughs> I don't know, so, man. Um, I still suck at Call of Duty, dude. So <laughs> maybe it doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. I bet you're way better than me because I, I suck at Call of Duty. I'll put everything that I know you're better <laughs> Anyhow, so... um. What the fuck was I saying? We were talking about Warp Tour and how you sharpened yourself by being oh, able oh, to yeah, perform. Oh yeah, um, besides besides um, the shows, uh, the people that I met, just being off of stage, there was a lot of people performing. So, um, and uh, all the bands are pretty much cool that I, I remember, and we were talk- we were talking to everybody. Like, and there were different types of bands is what I'm trying to get at. Like, there, there was hip hop, there was rock, there was alternative and, mm-hmm. and, and everyone was showing each other love and that shit was fucking beautiful. And, and beyond that, everyone was mixing and mingling with the crowd and it was a lot of people. It just, it just had a fucking great feel. It really did. It, it really did. It was, it was something I think all, all, all artists should get to experience. Now, real quick, I'm going to go try to uh, break down some of the lineup for that particular year. You had Bad Religion, Pennywise, Kill Switch, Engage, Coheed and Cambria, The Use, Newfound Glory, Red Suit, Jump Apparatus, uh, The Unseen, Circus Survive, The Starting Line, I Am Ghost, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, uh, v- uh, Vincent Black Shadow, Tiger Army, The Briggs, Yellow Card, Paramore, Escape the Faith, Gallows, Bayside, Amber Pacific. I mean, the, the, the list goes on. A Boys Like Girls, uh, uh, Big D in the kids' table, the almost New Year's Day, all time low throwdown. You had uh, you had uh, the American Heart. Is so many, so many, yeah, so many throw artists. Down was way down there. Yeah, throw, <laughs> throw down. That was when Throwdown first started. Dude, that's some hardcore music yeah, for you, man. man. But that was the great thing is like whenever you went to a war, war warp tour, almost felt like. Not only was it a concert, but it was a convention at the same time because you had so many different alleyways and things you could go down and like just random booths. I remember going to work tour one year and they had a drum set on like springs. Like the drum set was not touching the floor and you'd get in the drum set, they'd strap you in and you'd like bounce up and down while playing the drum set. Don't know what those people were promoting. <laughs> no idea what the hell was going on, but it was super fun, dude. And some of my fondest memories of seeing artists and even meeting artists and becoming friends with artists mm-hmm. was at Warped Tour. So unfortunately, uh, RIP 
for Warp Tour because it is no longer touring. Yeah. Um, I forgot who. Oh, the, are they done? They are done. I forgot who the guy that runs it, but uh, he was just like, "Hey, man, you know, every I think it's Kevin Lyman. Kevin Lyman. Mm. He ran the Warp Tour every year. He was the man, the myth, the yeah. legend. If you he would you if you gave him music and he liked it, he'd put you on. But the fact of the matter is, he'd done it for 25, 30 years, and he was like, you know what? Um, I think it's time for me to stay home during the summer. So supposedly, so Warp Tour was supposed to come back and just kind of be like, uh, okay, we're gonna have a Warp Tour this day only for one day. It's gonna be these many people, and then we're gonna do it in like three or four states and call it a day. But uh, you know what? We had we had the coronavirus, and now we're having plenty of protests. So I don't think uh, any festivals are gonna be coming back anytime soon. Well, speaking of the world touring, you said like <clears throat> you got to meet a lot of uh, um, artists from different genres and things of that nature. Uh, was it? Around that time, because I know what, like, that was 2007. 2008 is when you did the single with KRS One, am I right? I, I did that single in 2000. Because let me see, I'm looking at, uh, uh, let me see, looking at time frame. Uh, uh, yeah, Control featuring KRS One. Uh, yeah, it was the first single off it. Spring 2008. 2008. Yeah. So when did you meet up? When did you meet up with uh, KRS One or his people or get connected? Was it through a connection through Rockus or was it through the connection through like Warp Tour? H- how did that come to be? Um, when my first album came out, April 2007, Hip Hop in the Flesh. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, KRS put out an album with, uh, I believe it was uh, Molly Mall, and the album was called Hip Hop Lives. Mm-hmm. And there was an in-store at Fat Beats in New York. Yeah, and I nice. went, and um, KRS was performing in Fat Beats, so I went to um, Fat Beats that day because my album came out at the same time. Their album was called Hip Hop Lives. My album was called Hip Hop in the Flesh. So I went to New York. To, yeah, I, I always went to Fat Beats anyway because I would go to Fat Beats to give them my my albums to, so they could sell in their stores. So I had to go there anyway. So I, was, I went to Fat Beats the day he was performing, doing an in-store in Fat Beats. So I got there and, um, it, you know, it was fucking packed and he was in there doing his thing. <laughs> and I had my CD and I, you know, I, I wiggled my way through the crowd to the front of him. And I tried to give him uh, my CD. Mm-hmm. And um, his, his uh, not manager, but uh, what do you call this guy? Just his, his guy who was there to help out, I guess. Right. His name is his Mondo, handler, Mondo. probably his handler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was a younger kid. He's like my age. Um, his name was Mondo. I gave him um, my CD, and he said he would give it to Karis. So as I was in there, I saw I, I had recently done a show in Philadelphia, and um, there was this guy in the Fat Beats named Aubrey Green, who who was the promoter for the show in Philadelphia, and he happened to be. Not happened to be. He, he was in Fat Beats in that in that in store. Uh-huh. So I seen him and we got into a conversation. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm driving um Karis around for the day. Like I'm driving him between here and Bronx." And I was like, "Oh, all right." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, I just gave his um his man's my CD. Make sure he listens to it." And he was like, "All right, all right, got you." And Aubrey is um the cousin of of Hakeem Green from Channel Live, who was like in a group with uh, KRS, like they're in the BDP sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so any, anyhow, yeah, that's, that's how Aubrey happens to be the driver for KRS because Aubrey's cousin, Hakeem, is in a group with KRS, BDP. <laughs> so, um, so um, 
you know, Aubrey's driving KRS around. Aubrey calls me, I think, a day or two later. It was probably the next day. And he was like, yo, Sai, Sai, I was driving um, KRS around, and I put your CD in. And, yo, when they got to your song Addiction, KRS just kept saying, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. No, no. All right. Wow. So, um, my response to Aubrey was, yo, ask him if we could do a song together. So Aubrey asked him, and he said, yeah. And um, he said the next time he was in Jersey. So the next time he was in Jersey, you know, he reached out, or Aubrey reached out, and uh, we recorded the song in his hotel room in New Jersey. Yo, okay, that right there is like one of those things where it's like, yo, hip-hop history stories, where you just, you hold on and you retell it so many times, like later there's like reenactments of it. it that is like one of those where the stars align. And everything yeah. worked out. And that is yeah. dope because a hip hop legend. And then, you know, it, it, oh, God, the naming of the albums, too, were so yeah. similar. It's like there's everything that could line up, did line up for you to be able to connect with him and then later record with him. And nonetheless, not in a studio, in his freaking hotel room. Like, that's right. You guys are close at that point. There's, it's weird to say, there's, a, there's an intimacy that's ridiculously different. You know, because it's not right, in a working right. area, but it's in a living area, and you're creating together. That's sick, man. That is ridiculously yeah. dope. I, the the rhyme he wrote for my album, um, he gave it to me, and I have it laminated. It's on my in the, on the wall in my studio. <laughs> Dang, yo. So so teacher. I gotta ask you. Were you cool, calm, and collective, or did you fanboy like yeah, a motherfucker? <laughs> no, I was cool. Oh. You, you forget who we're lucky. talking to. You forget who we're talking to. I, I understand, right I, but I was curious. The, he might have broke. The, no, he might have broke, no. man. I mean, you, man, man. You know how no, many times yeah, I've met not. people and I'm like, <laughs> like I'm like, you wouldn't think it. No, but no, I, <laughs> listen, this is this is what it is. I'm the type of person if you um if you try to like back me in a corner, I'll come for you. So um, not the KRS tried to back me in a corner, but I'm 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 by nature a quiet guy unless I want to be assertive. I can be very assertive, but by nature, I'm a quiet guy. So Karis was in the studio, and I wasn't fucking fanboying it. I was, you know, being me, Karis in the studio, he's doing his thing. As Karis started to write his rhyme, he looked at me, and he was like, yo, who are you? And I was like, I didn't say, what do you mean? I just answered him. I, I think I said, um, you know, Masamar from England, or New Jersey. And then he said, nah, but who, who are you? He said it like three times. And I answered like three times the fourth time. It wasn't that I felt like he was coming for me because he wasn't, but I, he wanted a deeper answer. So I fucking gave it to him. I went in on him. And after I was finished, he was like, that's what I wanted to know. And then he wrote the verse. Yo, like he sat down in the tutelage of the master. That's literally what happened right there. His life is Bruce Lee. This guy, man, sorry, I, I, I man. <laughs> no, KRS is the man because that's no, that's like I've worked with. I've worked with a lot of people. Nobody ever did that to me except him. And I knew he wanted to know because he wanted to. He even he even kind of said it. Um, he wanted to make sure. He wasn't just giving me a verse for my album that was just like any fucking verse. He wanted to like really incorporate himself into my shit. So um, 
and like and understand me for him to write the verse and like yeah yeah he hit it he hit it on the fucking head he he did it like who he is cool. if you listen to the song and like what the song is about because this that's the thing I had the song before him my part I didn't write there my the, my parts were fucking done so he came in and added his verse to the song and and added that little hook he did to the song. But the way he added it, at like addition, added himself to the song, it wasn't like he just gave me a fucking bullshit verse, like a verse like like he heard the song, asked me who I was, and made sure his verse fit perfectly into the song. And if you listen to the song and listen to him and like how the song is structured, you'll see what I'm saying. Like he 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 did me justice. He didn't he wasn't playing around. He like did it like a fucking legend. Yo, see, like I don't think motherfuckers do it like that. I think that's how when we are done with this, if we can edit it, we go out on that song. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> because that's, exa- it's about that's him. exactly that's what I'm like. Yo, that's with exactly that verse, what that's I was it. gonna do. Man, is, that is uh, it's uh, the song is called Control, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's a good note to to go ahead and uh, end on with that awesome awesome story. So with that being said, Sai, uh, where can we find you on the internet, man? <sighs> Hiphopintheflesh.com is what first comes to mind is my website hiphopintheflesh.com it's the same name as my first album hip hop in the flesh um from <clears throat> from there you should be able to find me because <clears throat> there is contact and my contact has all my social medias and then also uh are do you have any i was going to say if you have any upcoming shows but clearly that's not going to be happening so are you going to be doing any live streams or anything like that uh <clears throat> i think so but there's nothing scheduled <clears throat> you have to stay stay in tune. <laughs> <laughs> so, with, uh, also with that being said, uh, your Instagram handle, you want to go ahead and throw that out as well. It's my name. It's at Sy Marshall Law. C Y M A R S H A L L L A W. So, Sy Marshall Law with three L's. C Y M A R S H A L L L A W. All right, man. Thank you so much, Sai, for coming on. We truly appreciate it, man. And, uh, no doubt. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you guys, that was That's Live Podcast. We're going to be exiting out with Control. I'm your host, MTR. And as always, Battlestar Galactica. Sean's all over. Damn it, you know why you're here, you guys. Later. Mr. Joker. Yeah, knowledge reigns supreme. <laughs> this is real hip hop right here. KRS, Side Martial Law. Turn it up, let's go! I'm just trying to represent for my family, yo. But life is a maze, I feel trying to trap me, though. As soon as I make the cash, then you ask for dough. But everything changes now, I demand control. They control the population, no healthcare like Canada's. Phones get tapped and we get watched by hidden cameras. It's no coincidence you singing the blues, cause there's never anything ever good on the news. They put fear in your heart, don't think they tackle us. They scare you from the start, now you're giving them access to everything about you. They think they Clever, saying with no privacy they can protect you better They want nothing left out, they want all the details Reading text messages and going through emails Other countries you get awards for homegrown But where I live you can't burn it down in your own home Hypnotized by TV, that's someone's design Turn it off, but the images remain in your mind Radio plays the same song so the people like you They don't play what they want, they play what they have to Be careful of those that prey on your soul This is your life now, but they won't control There is no privacy cause they want to know what you doing, where you at, and where you plan to go I'm just trying to represent for my family, yo But life is a maze, I feel trying to trap
trap me though As soon as I make the cash Then you ask for dough But everything changes now I demand control KRS-1 brings the heat for sure No heat KRS is out the door You not controlling me I'm about to roar I shout the lady I don't shout the whore I'm about to score With side martial law To the club I bring the light once more I fight the law Cause they trying to control Trying to hold Trying to get inside my soul They bone with it Setting up the toll Their goal Body and mind control Who you talking about Chris? Mass media Government radio TV That's garbage They pumping it And we all becoming it Young and old But we can't let them Control our soul This is the message To the seed of you all Be free like me I'm out of control Be careful of those That prey on your soul This is your life now But they won't control There is no privacy Cause they want to know What you doing Where you at And where you plan to go I'm just trying to represent For my family yo But life is amazing They'll try to trap me though As soon as I make the cash Then you ask for dough But everything changes now I demand control Everything changes now I demand control Everything changes now I demand control I don't believe in faith That would mean I'm not in control Of how the story ends I'm the master using Taji And every page in the book of life Is written by me When the storm comes If I get caught in the rain of pain No complaint I don't point the finger and blame Cause the energy I put out I attract the same I manifest by focusing the mind The brain you can train To hit the target every time you aim Every outcome is already written It just depends on which one you plan on picking A doctor, a lawyer Some spending life in prison But listen, the key to control is having a vision I'm thinking, a mission, or maybe a goal Something that frees or liberates the soul You better choose fate Before like twins to come after these dudes They too late Be careful of those that prey on your soul This is your life now, but they won't control There is no privacy, cause they want to know What you're doing, where you at, and where you plan to go I'm just trying to represent for my family, yo But life is amazing, I feel trying to trap me though As soon as I make the cash, then you ask for dough But everything changes now, I demand control When they made hip-hop, they broke the mold So here's a little story that must be told When they made hip-hop, they broke the mold So here's a little story that must be told When they made hip-hop, they broke the mold So here's a little story that must be told When they made hip-hop, they broke the mold So here's a little story that must be told Thank you.